The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We know uh, that the very slow progression of getting people vaccinated against COVID 19 in this country continues and frustrates a lot of people. Let's be honest. Well, today the Prime Minister said that the head of Moderna has assured him the company will meet its contract to ship 2 million doses of its COVID-19 vaccine by the end of the month. And the single largest shipment of Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine since the pandemic began is due to arrive from Europe this week. Months ago, we promised a total of 6 million vaccines by the end of Q1, that is the end of March. That's exactly what we're going to deliver. Meantime, uh, these are interesting numbers from a recent poll. 73% of people responding to uh, a survey plan to get the COVID-19 shot when it becomes available. That's up 63% uh, in mid-October. And the survey also suggests that 69% of Canadians blame the federal government and not the provinces for delays in COVID-19 vaccine delivery. Kind of makes sense because it is the federal government uh, getting them, uh, you know, doing the whole acquisition of it. So the work continues, though, to get people vaccinated, and the work continues right here at home in developing a new vaccine. Entos Pharmaceuticals, we've talked uh, about Entos before, is an Edmonton-based biotechnology company. It is uh, waiting to start its next phase of vaccine approval. It comes after the federal government announced millions of dollars to support vaccine production. That happened a few weeks ago. Dr. John Lewis is the CEO of Entos Pharmaceuticals. He joins us this afternoon. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Jalen. Pleasure to be here. It's nice to have you back, Dr. Lewis. All right. Um, You know, it is important to note that your company is working on two DNA vaccines, and I just want to make sure that my listeners, before we get into some other stuff, know about them. So can you tell us about those two vaccines? Yeah, absolutely. So Entos Pharmaceuticals is what we call a genetic medicines company. So uh, we make the next generation treatments for genetic diseases, including cancer. And so one of the things we've become uh, very, very good at are making uh, DNA gene therapies. And these are these are gene therapies that can you know correct childhood diseases or uh, create a personal therapy for a deadly cancer. And so um, so at the you know at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, we, uh, the team basically got together and said, look, we have a technology that can, I think, make an impact here. And uh, so let's pivot from cancer in the short term and, and work on uh, vaccine for COVID. And, and you mentioned DNA vaccine. That's, that's really important because as we've yeah. seen, and, and you talked about Moderna, you know, the successful vaccines so far are the actually genetic medicines. They're the RNA vaccines. So Pfizer and Moderna basically deliver the instructions to make the vaccine to, to the patient's uh, body uh, in RNA, and and that has produced you know some fantastic results, over 95% efficacy in some cases. And so, but we you know earlier in 2020 we saw we we knew that they, these were likely to be successful, but we also knew that RNA vaccines would have a significant limitation, and that is first they're very difficult to scale up and manufacture. And so we've seen the impacts of that already, mm-hmm. uh, you know, significant delays, even though they're approved. Uh, the second one was their, their, you know, RNA is an unstable thing. So it requires deep, cold storage to be able to, to remain stable. So minus 80 degrees Celsius, 
which may not be so difficult in Edmonton, but certainly difficult to maintain across the cold chain, as we call it. So in the trucks, in the planes, you know, yeah. through the clinic, and even in the freezer until it's uh, distributed for shots. So this makes it really challenging to distribute into rural areas, really challenging to distribute around the world and you know, into areas that might not have this deep cold ability. So uh, we chose DNA because it's really stable. I mean, you can pull it out of dinosaur bones that are 66 million years old <laughs> intact. And so, and so, yeah, so, so basically we work on the similar biology to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, but ours can be kept in the refrigerator for over a year and, and at room temperature for up to a month. And, and so, uh, so we've been working on two vaccines uh, to get to your question uh, for COVID-19. The first one, very, very similar to the Pfizer and Moderna, so the same approach in biology that we know works well. The second one is more of a forward-thinking as the variants, uh, you know, as we see variants emerge that are escaping the protection of vaccines, South African variant and UK variant, as some people call them, uh, we've developed a pan-coronavirus uh, vaccine that contains pieces of the coronavirus, not just from its dominant spike protein, but from some of the other proteins that are really similar in different coronaviruses. And so we expect this second vaccine will uh, confer protection to a wide variety of different coronaviruses that are circulating and, and, and hopefully the variants that continue to emerge. Amazing. You're answering all my questions, Dr. Lewis. I love it. All right. So where are we in the trial process right now? Where is that, that first one? And then tell us about, you know, the vaccine two, the, the forward thinking one that you're talking about. Where, where are they in the, in the clinical trials? Sure. Yeah. And, I, and I've, you know, we've talked before and I've, I've always uh, tried to convey an optimistic tone. Uh, we, you know, basically we've got this uh, fantastic team of scientists working day and night, you know, in, in an environment where we're, we're having to obviously adhere to COVID procedures, keeping distancing, keeping people safe. And so, uh, and so we've been working uh, for a long time to get the first candidate uh, into clinical trials. Uh, we've been partnered closely with the Alberta Cell Therapy Manufacturing Facility at the university. Uh, but again, it's university under lockdown. So we've, we've had some challenges uh, meeting our optimistic timelines, but I'm happy to say uh, sort of the uh, we're, uh, we've manufactured the clinical doses for our clinical trials. That's done. Uh, they've now been uh, you know put in the vials and capped, and, and they're getting ready to be put in the arms of, of uh, volunteers uh, for the phase one clinical trial. That's going to be starting uh, pretty much any day. So we're just waiting for the green light from Health Canada to start that clinical trial. And we've we've uh, we've organized the clinical trial in a way that we can pretty rapidly move uh, through the phases. So okay. phase one, as I've mentioned before, is is looking only at safety. So we've got 72 volunteers, uh, evenly divided between young, healthy adults and elderly adults, uh, just looking to see if if, uh, if giving our vaccine is, is completely safe. And, and once we see that and, and it's safe, we move on to the phase two portion, which involves more patients, about 500 in total. And then we'll be looking very closely at what is the immune response. And secondly, and actually, the thing I didn't mention, uh, will require two doses, like many of the vaccines, or do we get an effective immune response after one dose, which is what we've seen in our study so far. We think it'll be effective after a single dose. And so we're looking to start those trials any day. And then uh, at phase two, you know, if everything goes well and we can proceed quickly from the first phase to the second phase, we should be done before the end of the summer. And then, and then it would take, you know, there's a third phase after that, which is much larger. We're looking at safety in, in thousands of people. Uh, 
The good news about that is that as we learn more about these approved vaccines and and how safe and effective they are, we can really uh, be more more efficient in that phase three trial. We might not have to do 30,000 or 60,000 individuals like the previous vaccines. We might be able to do, you know, three to 5,000. So so I think we're still in a world where we could see an approved vaccine before the end of the year. Wow, the end of the year. Okay, when it comes to a couple of things I wanted to ask you about here. Now, I, I know the money situation has has been a, a little bit of frustrating, a little bit of frustration. I know that uh, you guys had requested, I think it was almost $50 million, uh, for vaccine development from the federal government late in March. It took, what, five months later uh, to receive, you know, $5 million to help get this phase one uh, underway. Tell us about the impact of the de- delay. How frustrating is this uh, when you're, you're you're kind of wanting to, you know, you're, you're, you're ready, you're like a Mustang ready to roar and, and you're being held back by this. Knowing, knowing the need for the vaccines, it's got to be incredibly just, I guess, frustrating is the right word. Yeah, I think it, it is frustrating from the standpoint that we, you know, the entire team, we know we have a, a, an effect, safe and effective vaccine solution. Obviously, that needs to be proved in clinical trials. But I think it's, it's less frustrating in that we didn't get what we asked for. It's more frustrating in that we missed an opportunity as Canadians to be able to fully invest uh, you know, upfront in potential vaccine candidates that could be successful in Canada and then could be made in Canada, manufactured and delivered to Canadians. Mm-hmm. If you look at the success that we've seen in other countries, you know, I've, I've talked with you before about how we sped up vaccine development. If you look at transi- uh, traditional vaccine development, you know, the average time from vaccine discovery to, uh, to approval is 10 years. And so companies have been, you know, unprecedentedly successful in, in really shortening that timeline, but only by investing, you know, decisively and substantially upfront to make sure that the company can take risks on performing a lot of different tasks in parallel instead of one by one. And so I guess I'm frustrated by the fact that we, you know, the money we asked for back in uh, April last year would have allowed us to take those risks and do a lot of these activities in parallel. And, uh, and with the funding we've seen, we've, we've basically been working with our own money in the meantime, and now just, you know, basically just uh, been able to get through to get this phase one trial started. So, so I think see a missed opportunity. Uh, yeah. And I guess the, the board, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, missed opportunity. I think that, I think that that's, you, you nailed it right there, Dr. Lewis. Yeah, so uh, it's a missed opportunity, and I think we could have, you know, we probably could have been a lot farther ahead than, than we were, and, and, and I'll, you know, I'm speaking for us and Entos Pharmaceuticals, but I know that there are many promising vaccine candidates around Canada that, that are in the same position we are. Uh, I just want to make the, the point, though, is that the opportunity is not completely lost. So uh, this pandemic has no signs of waning, and, uh, and so, you know, even with the current vaccine rollout, we're looking at vaccinating Canadians well into 2022 and uh, and worldwide it's you know it's a huge effort third world countries are, are basically being ignored at this point but we have to get 16 billion doses at least around the world uh, it, you know to be able to fully curb this pandemic so I think there's still an opportunity to capitalize on the fantastic innovation in Canada uh, to make investments in manufacturing that will benefit us not only for this pandemic but potentially for future pandemics as well. Dr. Lewis, um, given the, if this is given the green light after f- Phase 3 Health Canada uh, approval, all of that goodness, uh, where will it be manufactured? So 
that's a great question because uh, right now we do, we absolutely do not have the funding to go to phase three. So so right now, uh, Entos has the funding to finish our phase one trial, and so we're actively looking. We're you know we're still in discussions with the federal government and and other governments. Uh, we you know we think there's a huge opportunity to be able to make this vaccine in Alberta. I think uh, you know Alberta uh, you know has been talking a lot about you know what's next beyond oil and i think mm. biotherapeutics manufacturing is a huge opportunity we have great universities we have great innovators and so so we would really love to see that uh and, and i think you know the, the 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 people that we turn out of our university so well trained uh you know looking for jobs locally there aren't many choices so a lot of them end up moving south and I think that that's tragic. And I think we have an opportunity by building the sector uh, here in Alberta to be able to change that. Before I let you go, you had touched on it earlier, and I had specifically wanted to ask you about um, about uh, the variants and about uh, vaccines being able to handle those variants. I, I wonder maybe just go into a little bit more about the the second candidate and how you're hopeful and what um, you're you're um, anticipating it might be able to do uh, in in, um, in 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 beating those those variants that we're looking at right now. Yeah, so I guess this has really been a consequence of us as a world population letting the virus get too out of control. Uh, every time the virus sort of meets a new host, it has a chance to change slightly. And, uh, and some of those changes make it worse, but every once in a while those changes make it easier to transmit, potentially more deadly. And so because, you know, this virus has seen so many people, we've, we've now seen the emergence of these different mutated variants. And, uh, and it's, you know, there's... There's evidence that they're starting to escape the protection of the vaccines that have already been approved. Mm. And we can only expect this to continue as, you know, as many people are, are have active infections with the virus. So, so I think being able to control variants is a key part of our vaccine strategy going forward. As far as Entos is concerned, uh, it's really important for us to show that our, and we have a, a, a new platform. We have a slightly new strategy to make a vaccine. So it's really important for us to show with our first candidate that it's safe and effective. And as soon as we have that sort of inhuman data, everything's a go, then we'll move forward as quickly as we can with that second vaccine. Well, well Dr. Lewis, yeah, you can be sure that we'll be all be watching it very closely. Thank you for joining me for the update, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, thanks so much, Jalen. Take care. Yeah, take care. Dr. John Lewis joining us this afternoon. He is the CEO of Entos Pharmaceuticals. Uh, again, this is one of those vaccines that uh, the DNA vaccines being developed right here in Edmonton. Um, some fascinating stuff. And it's uh, it's heading into different levels of trials. Boy, oh boy, it sure would be great if we could, uh, you know, get that here get a production facility here where we could pump that out or in the future we could do that so we're not left back on our heels like we have been waiting depending on on other countries i think there there's a there's a lot to consume from that conversation with dr lewis this afternoon i'll